0: Bonjour, welcome ladies and gentlemen. Fasten up your seatbelt and enjoy this journey into Mia's World with Lamy Noble. Hello everybody and welcome back to Me World. So first of all, I would like to thank every single one of you who tuned in for episode one. Thank you so much for all your love and support and for all the positive feedback. It was just a confirmation for me that whatever I'm doing right now is the right thing. And I just wanted to thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Um, And I really hope that you will enjoy this journey with me. Without further ado, let's talk about episode two. So I had this episode recorded already. But I had a feeling that I was moving very fast um, into the whole transition from growing up between Mauritius and Madagascar and then going to London and then now living in Dubai. So I decided to re-record this episode. Um, so this episode will mainly be focusing about growing up between Mauritius and Madagascar. I would call it my my parallel world because as much as they are both island they are completely uh, like opposite and i felt it at a very young age um now i i have nothing to complain it was like a beautiful childhood but it was relatively not the same it was literally like living in two different worlds Um. i also have to add another side note to this podcast because I will be doing a lot of back and forth and I'm sorry if it sounds a little bit messy because I it was hard like I have all my bullet points like right in front of me right now but I have a feeling that whenever I'll be talking about something I have to compare to the life to the other place for you to kind of understand what I'm trying to say so I'm sorry if this episode looks a little bit all over the place, but I still hope you'll enjoy it. So as I mentioned um, in episode one, I was born in Madagascar and I moved to Mauritius around the age of three. The reason why I moved was not only because my parents uh, were separated, but also because um, my dad wanted me to be bilingual. And at that time in Madagascar, there was only french school we didn't have any english um, curriculum there so compared to mauritius whether you're in uh, like in public or private school uh, they follow the british curriculum so it was the best thing to move with my mom to mauritius so i moved there at the age of 3 i was honestly i didn't I don't have much memories as a kid all I remember is that our first house was like this old colonial house where you enter and there was this huge fountain and it was such a huge yard and there was like a lot of trees and flowers. So I would spend literally all my days and all my, my time there. Um, I was also a shy kid. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not gonna deny it, I was actually super shy. The people that know me now wouldn't think or wouldn't think that I was that shy kid, but I was. I was shy kid, I was the bullet kid, I was the people pleaser kid, that was me. Um, to, 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 to that day that I remember. So when I went to secondary school, um, I was supposed initially to go to a only girls school, but my dad changed his mind and he moved me to a private school, which was a mixed school. And normally, we there, there was the induction week before the classes. But because I was doing the transition, I missed the induction week. So I went straight away to the week when classes would start. And my first class was math class. And I was sat literally next to a guy. And I was so scared for him. He was just trying to help me and he was passing over like two copybooks and he was like this copybook is for homework and this one is for classwork i was so shy that i literally snatched the, the copy copybook off his hand um because i was just so afraid like not even like i couldn't even look at him in his eye that's how shy i was i was also that kid that at the beginning um because I didn't know anyone and I was scared to kind of get around with everyone and my English was not the best. So I was having my, like my, my lunch either at the reception or I would go in the bathroom and I wouldn't even go to the school canteen because I was so scared of the kids around, um, but yeah, that that was a time. That was a time I was that kid. And then I think over time I started to kind of build my confidence, started to get along with everyone. And also so in the system in Mauritius, so you start with form 1, from 2, from 3 up to form 7, which is the last year of secondary school. So when I moved from form 1 to form 2, I had a warning from uh, the principal saying that uh, my English was quite weak, and if I didn't improve that, I would have to do my Form 1 again. So my mom did put a lot of pressure on me to make sure that this didn't happen. I mean, not the bad pressure, but like she really pushed me into getting better uh, with my English, which meant reading English book, watching everything in English, speaking to people in English, and obviously I'd have to communicate with people at school and speak with them in English. So that's how I improved my English and I passed my form too. I didn't have to go back to form one. But yeah, that was one of the experience that I had. Then when I started to get friends, I believe I was a big people pleaser because I didn't want to offend anyone. I was always scared of Kind of saying what I thought or what was on my mind because I didn't want to lose my friends. So I would just say yes to everyone, whatever they would say. I'd be like yes, no problem. Uh, I would be that kid, for example. If outside school, uh, I sent a message to to my friend and they didn't reply to me, I would start overthinking. Oh my god, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Like it was so hilarious, but. I'm so I'm so grateful. Like if I didn't do all of that, like guys, I, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be who I am. So honestly, that was that was a phase of my life. But apart from having the opportunity to learn and speak English and now being bilingual, um, one of the beauty of living in Mauritius was the diverse uh cultures that we have over there we celebrate literally every cultures. So for example, we would have public holiday for any like any celebration of any culture in the sense that for example, for Chinese New Year, uh, we'll, ha- we'll celebrate Diwali, we'll celebrate Eid, we'll celebrate Christmas, New- every culture was celebrated equally and the same way. And it was just beautiful because you get to know so many cultures uh, you get to understand their custom and everything about it. And it was really, it's very like enriching as a kid growing up to this kind of diversity. Like after, it also helps to be very open-minded and understand and respect uh, and appreciate other cultures. So that was beautiful, honestly. For example, Pudavali. Even if, like, if you had friends, if you had neighbors or like family whatsoever who would celebrate it, they would all make those little boxes full of Indian sweets and then they would come to yours and and drop it. It was just so beautiful. Plus, on top of that, whenever there was a celebration, it meant public holidays for us, which means we didn't have school and I was happy. <laughs> but yeah, that was mainly like the whole living in, in Mauritius. And during all this time, I was lucky enough to have my mom, who was doing both the job of a mother and a father. Honestly, she is my superwoman. She's a single mother who really sacrificed everything for me. Um, Because at the very beginning, when we moved to Mauritius, my dad's financial situation was not the best. So he could not... Uh, come and visit me often so he would come only once every year for my birthday until until I think I was like probably around seven ish where his financial um, status started to get a little bit better so then we'll, we'll start doing like family trip where I would go to France we'll go to Malaysia Hong Kong Thailand and all of that and then afterwards, when my life actually took a turn was when I was approximately anywhere between the age of nine-ish, I would say. So between Mauritius and Madagascar, if you want to travel, you can use Air Mauritius Airline, which is a direct flight. It's an hour 30 flight from Mauritius to go to Madagascar. Um, I don't know if the terms is, is the same for every airline, but basically when you're an underage kid, they have this category they call uh, the UM passenger. So what it meant is basically we had that pouch. I still remember that pouch. I have so many of them back in Mauritius. Um, so that pouch, you would put your passport, you put all your documents in and then you will put it across your neck. You'll hang in there and then my mom would drop me at the airport and help me with the checking of the luggage um, and then a cabin crew will come pick me up and bring me inside i'll say goodbye to my mom um, they will help me do all the formalities in the plane make sure i am fed um then we'll land in madagascar another cabin crew will come pick me up uh, collect my luggage and drop me to my dad and that's where life kind of took a turn for me to be honest because um I just remembered for me as a kid at that time I was just so excited to see my dad I was not really paying attention of everything that was going around but it's only after a couple of years that I realized when I started to grow up that I realized what was going on so I just remembered. The first time my dad came to pick like to pick me up, he held my hand. And I mean every time he would come and pick me up, he'd hold my hand and then he would always keep an eye on the luggage until we reached the car. And then when we'll reach the car, he'll pull up all the windows and the car was locked. And at that point you wouldn't think anything like, oh, it's just like it's just something normal, but over there it is the mass. So, when we would then drive on the main road, suddenly we'll be stuck in traffic. And yes, traffic in Madagascar is horrible. Like, horrible. Like, Dubai is nothing. But yeah, we'll be stuck in traffic. Uh, and suddenly, you'll see a kid who at that time was maybe my age or even younger, with another kid on, on their back, knocking at our window, begging for money, begging for, for food. And it, it, I remember that that really hit me. Then as I was looking outside, I would see people on the street, like sleeping on the street, living on the street. And then that's where I understood, like like there's a difference there because in Mauritius, you don't feel any, like anything like that. You don't see anything like that because Mauritius is a developing island. So you cannot tell by the, just by the look Oh that person is poor or not. You've got all kind of classes there and a very good economy supporting the people there. If you go in a supermarket you look at someone you wouldn't know if that person is rich, middle class or poor. But in Madagascar it was very distinct. There's either high class or low class. You're either rich or you're poor. Um and being rich didn't mean that you had millions being rich meant you had a roof over your head, you could provide for your family, you could have like your family is having food, you're wearing nice clothes or like decent clothes, then you're considered as rich. And that is due because of the economy in Madagascar. Now, here, we're going to start with the back and forth, guys, giving you already a heads up. So. In Mauritius, my mom always gave me a very simple life. As in, she would show me from the very young age how to, like, do my bed, enjoy the... Li- like, when we would struggle financially, she would literally make something out of a can of tuna taste better than a fine dining restaurant food. Um, when we would struggle, she would come, she would call me, and then she... You know, when I was a kid, I had that, um, that little globe... If from a Smarties uh, suite that I had where you can put your money in. She'll call me and she'll tell me, oh, it's time to open now, to count all the little savings that we had to be able to buy some food for us. Um, but she made it always fun. She showed me that when I wake up in the morning, I needed to do my bed. And then I had, to, when I finished eating, I needed to wash my dishes. Uh, on Saturdays, we would put the music on, uh, we'll clean outside, dance, and we'll just enjoy the simple life. And it was honestly one of the best memories I have uh, from being a child and the memories I have with my mom. Compared to Madagascar it was the complete opposite. So when I reached home, uh, my dad's home, at that time my dad was single, uh, we have someone i don't want to call her a maid because she's clearly not a maid to me she was here ever since uh, even before my my dad even met my mom and she took care of my dad of the household of um food of cooking of everything and she saw me as a kid uh, but again i moved to Mauritius, so i didn't see her and I still remember when I saw her, her name is Josephine, and I still remember when I saw her, I just knew I was safe, I just knew that she would take care of me, and she is literally my second mother, and I truly think she made my experience in Madagascar so much better, because she was always around, and, and she always made sure that I didn't feel alone, and the, the difference was here. So, for example, in, in Madagascar, I would wake up in the morning. Um, I would go have breakfast. By the time I'm done with breakfast, I come back to my room. My room was clean. My clothes was on the bed. And I literally didn't have to do anything. Um, and then I would go to my dad's office. So, at that time, my dad's business was getting better. But um, he was still like I would say the very beginning of his career so his office at that time was a warehouse he he works in textile so we had like those big roll of textile piled up all together in the warehouse and one of the the best way I love spending my time was just going in that warehouse and then jumping from one role to another and then playing with all the employees or uh, during the break of the employees we would go outside and play football. This is how I loved spending my time as a kid. It was always trying to do something outside and doing some kind of activities and um, my dad would bring me like to a lot of like luxury places like what we would call luxury there and the food in madagascar oh my god guys it's just the best anyway but then that was a big impact because as much as we would be going out to fancy restaurants and having everything you would still see these poor people on the street so i remember there was one day i was in the car and I had like a biscuit in my in, in the car and a kid knocked at my window and I didn't have any money to give them. So I asked my aunt at that time, she was with me and I said, can I give the kid the biscuit? She was like, yeah, if you want to. So I put my windows down and I started, I, I gave it to the kid and that smile on the kid's face was so cute. Like literally it was a little boy and he was like, Thank you so much, thank you so much and I was like, Oh my lord and then I think that's where I got the little light bulb moment. So then what I would do, anytime I would be in Madagascar, so on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, I would basically so Mondays and Wednesdays I would prepare like small packets with like bread, rice or biscuits with like milk, juice or some fruits. And I would stop to a point and I would basically give to people on the street. And then on Fridays, so Josephine and my aunt would help me to kind of uh, prepare big batches of rice and curries, then we'd go to schools and we'll give them lunch, like provide them with lunch. And that was the most beautiful time I had in Madagascar. Like. That was, for me, the highlight of my childhood because being able to provide for them was just the best feeling ever. Feeling like you're helping someone, feeling when, you know, that smile on their face is just overwhelming because I think we don't realize how lucky we are until you see these people struggling. promise i wouldn't cry, but honestly it breaks my heart when i see all of all of these people struggling sleeping underneath bins and we are lucky to be having a roof over our heads like having warm clothes so i that was my way of giving that was my way of helping out and i really enjoyed this this memory and i think that helped me to kind of grow up very quickly and kind of be very mature so one of uh, one of the skill that really I had to pick up was like the adaptation between both countries like Mauritius and Madagascar are very different and I quickly had to learn how to adapt to both island. Um, Mauritius like I said was a simple life where I would be able to wear shorts and uh, we would go for picnic at the beach with my mom and my mom's family. We'll listen to the traditional Sega. We'll dance, and my family will be drinking. We'll be like partying. We'll be having good time all together. Very easy going, nothing crazy. But in Madagascar, it was very very different and mainly as my dad's financial status started to grow and like his career started to grow we now had a name in the society so i had to behave a certain way i was not allowed to do certain things because they would speak about my dad or our family And also another event that happened that really caught me by surprise was one time when I went for my holidays in Madagascar, I learned that my dad was getting married. He presented me this woman and said that this would be the woman he will be marrying and that she will be my stepmom and as a teenager it was very hard to process because i just didn't understand how could you be my stepmom because i think that deep down i always had that wish that my parents would get back together Uh, and them getting married was clearly not the case and suddenly i had to accept another woman in my life mainly what was hard was that she was quite young i mean she's quite young, she could be my sister, literally. Um, And also having a stepmother also meant having uh, siblings, which, which was not easy to process at the beginning. So all of this made it very hard for me and I quickly had to adapt to all this situation. And yet that was not the only thing that happened in Madagascar. So at the age of 16, I met my first boyfriend, we were together for seven years and he was based in Madagascar Um. so having a boyfriend living in Madagascar and I was studying in Mauritius was not easy because uh, we would be basically having a long distance relationship and at the beginning, when uh, we first started dating, it was very hard to even meet each other because of my dad's uh, status, status Sorry, in the society. Uh, we couldn't, at the beginning, we couldn't even go out only just us both. We always had to make sure that someone was with us. Um, and then over time, when we started to go on proper dates, uh, it only had to be during the day. We were not allowed to sleep at each other's house and um, also over time we were just able to go for only dinner but with uh, like, um, how do you say that in English, hold on, like uh, a curfew with a curfew time, that's the word. Um, so yeah it was very it, it was very hard because in Mar- in Mauritius I didn't have to worry about what society would think about me but in Madagascar I always had to make sure that I was always doing the right thing what was considered right per the society because otherwise like I mentioned we would we would be judged so it was very hard growing up like this um. Also, a side note, as you can tell from the voice change, my mic died. So I had to record the rest of, I mean, that part of the podcast with no mic. Apologies, little technical difficulties here. I'm still um beginner at this, a little nervous in podcast, so excuse me. But we'll be tuning in in a second with the mic again on. So another thing that did impact me, like my social life was very hard because so when I was in Mauritius, um, I had a lot of friends, but it was very complicated to to kind of make them understand that. Listen, guys, I can't have sleepovers. My first sleepover to my best friend's house was when I was 17 because she was turning 18. And my dad then allowed me to stay over at hers. Otherwise, I was never allowed to sleep over to my friend's house. Um, even when, you know, when you're at, I think I was around the age of 16. And like all my friends started to go out to nightclub and I wanted to go as well. Um, I asked my mom, but my mom knew that if we had to, that my dad it was a big no so she would basically rent out like a bungalow so in mauritius we call it like campement. you've got those like apartments or those houses close to the beach that you can rent for like on a like for a weekend or a daily basis so she would rent them out for like friday saturday sunday and then friday after school we would go there and then at midnight my mom would like with we'd go there with some of my friends obviously then my mom would say to me like let's get ready let's go to the nightclub she would be with me she'll be with us she'll be chilling at the bar sipping on her whiskey and I'll be there dancing partying drinking with my friends and she wouldn't say anything she'll be like enjoy whenever you're ready to go home just let me know and I'll bring you home that's it but she was there that's how cool my mom was, but I never felt like oppressed that, ooh, my mom's there because she allowed me to be who I was. And I think she really wanted to kind of discover myself. And this is why she kind of also signed me up to so many activities. Like I did tennis, I did freaking um, school, like school drama, you call it like, you know, the theater classes, I did contemporary dance. But because of that shyness I had, I think I, I I dropped out from everything after a couple of months. The only thing I did for was contemporary dancing because I truly enjoyed dancing. So uh, that was the only thing that I kept doing. But yeah, it was always very hard. And in Madagascar, having friends was so hard because they were completely different, their mindset was different to mine and, and to even my friends in, in Mauritius. So it was always very complicated to kind of, like to get around all of this. Um, and I think that did hurt me a lot and to a point where I was resenting my parents because I had to go through that. Um, I didn't have a choice. Like if I wanted to see my dad, I had to go to Madagascar. And then I didn't have a choice. I had to come back to Mauritius because school started, so there was some kind of resentment, and it also then linked up to some identity crisis because how is the like as I was growing up, I was like, who the heck I am? Like, am I the girl who's in Mauritius? Am I the girl who's in Madagascar? Like, it was very very hard, but despite all. I truly think that having this two distinct lifestyle did help me today. Like, I know the beauty of the simple life that I had in Mauritius. I enjoyed every simple things, and it really brings me a lot of happiness. My dad showed me luxurious lifestyle, always made sure, like, I had everything I wanted financially, I'd say um going driving in the best cars going to the best restaurant uh, my uncles were big show off so i know all about the showing off lifestyle i've seen that done that didn't like that um realized that was not my world at all so yeah it it, it was quite different but i'm glad i went through both but one of the thing also I want to mention is, like, as an island girl, so basically, whenever you would be in Mauritius, once you finish your studies, most of the kids would either go to London, to Australia, or Canada. And then in Madagascar, people would go to France. But my dream was always to go to London. And I was always making sure, like, I... I needed to, to, to get the best university. So as soon as I finished secondary school, I was supposed to move to London, but my dad didn't allow me uh, because he thought I was too young. So, And also because I had my boyfriend and I was not ready to kind of leave him and go miles away. And it was still when everything, I, I mean, it was the beauty of like being in that relationship, even though he was in Madagascar but I would the fact that I knew that I was, I was able to see him when I would go for my holidays in Madagascar, I really didn't want to go to London because I knew that my frequency of going to Madagascar would be relatively less. So I dropped the idea of going to London and I only went to London for my master's. So as I knew that I was going to stay for, in Mauritius for my undergrad, I decided to go to Middlesex University, apply there, because what the advantage of being in Middlesex University is that they had a branch in the UK, in the UAE, and in Malta. And as long as you kept um, a good grade, you were able to, do, to transfer between campus. And I thought that whenever I would be ready, I would be able to move to London because London was always at the back of my head. So this was relatively a turning point for me because this is where I started to open up and come out of my shell. But for this, I'll keep it for the next episode. I think I've talked enough about growing up between Mauritius just for a quick summary. Um, the pros and cons, I would say, of living and growing up between two different islands. So let's talk about the pros. Um, I would say for me, first of all, was the advantage of being bilingual. Second of all, uh, the educational factor that I had there. I was in one of the best uh, schools, best university. Uh, third of all would be the culture diversity, which was absolutely beautiful because it really broadened my perspective on cultures and life in general. Third of, uh, fourth of all, sorry, it was able to work on, on adaptation and adapt very quickly and getting used to change. Now, don't get me wrong, I still hate change. I'm a creature of habit. But let's say I deal with change way more easier now than I used to before. Um, it also raised awareness to me uh, in terms of helping people, helping out for uh, looking out for others uh, and also being grateful for what I have because, Despite everything, I consider myself being quite blessed and I'm very thankful for that. But I still had to grow up very quickly. Now, in terms of cons, I would say that instability of lifestyle, of, uh, of, because of that big difference, it was very hard for me to kind of know who I really was, which kind of then led into some kind of identity crisis because again, I didn't know who I was. Is Lamia the girl in Mauritius? Is Lamia the girl in Madagascar? Or is Lamia a little bit of both? But that question, I will answer it when I will be speaking about London, because that's where I think I started to understand who I was. And then there was also some resentment at the beginning. Uh, I mean, at some point about my parents, even though Now, when I take a step back, I'm honestly grateful and thankful for everything that my parents did. My mom, she's a super woman. Um, She gave up her whole life to make sure that she was here for me and she was able to give me all the support I needed as a mother and as a father. My dad helped me financially to make sure that I always had the best education or anything, that was good for me to to grow up basically, give like which gave me a very good background. But in general I would say I'm still very blessed because I would say there's not a lot of kids that is able to travel like the amount of time of travel between Mauritius and Madagascar. I know people who never stepped in a plane and I was stepping in that plane every single like every month or if there was a small weekend like break my dad could pay the ticket I would be there in Madagascar so for that I am truly truly blessed and grateful um in general I would say yes it was hard it was not easy but this whole experience made me who I am today and it kind of helped me as well moving to London, which I'll be tackling in the next episode. So I guess that's mainly the main points I want to point out. There are a few points that I want to add on, which was mainly about uh, my relationship in terms of food, binge eating, anorexia, etc. But I will keep this for another time and for another episode. Because otherwise, I'll never finish this episode, guys. But, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry for the messy back and forth, but I truly hope that you understood my point and understood what I was trying to put out there. Again, any feedback are welcome. Uh, Thank you all for listening all the way till now. It really means a lot. And I truly hope that you enjoy this episode. So on that note, I'm going to love you and leave you. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.